Welcome back to JK Moto Podcast, a weekly motorcycle podcast for the everyday motorcyclist, covering current bike news and specializing in track riding and club racing. We truly do it all. This week, brought to you by Working Class Customs, a custom fabrication shop out of northern Utah. You can direct any further comments or questions on that to Cole. Hit me up. In the comments down below. Speaking of comments, if you're looking at the comment bar, you should also move that mouse over to the subscribe button and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. And if you're not on YouTube, that's great. Glad you found us. Go check out the YouTube channel at Working Class Customs. If you are on YouTube and you don't want to stick around for however many hours we're here podcasting, we understand that. We're also on all podcast platforms. So we got Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon, Google. Uh, the list goes on. Go check them out. RSS link down in the description. And also while you're down there, sorry, there's a lot here tonight. If you like our shirts and our design, we got shirts available. They should be down below. Go check them out. Pick up a shirt. Support us so we can continue supporting you. Thank you. That is the end of my soapbox. Hello, Cole. Jeez. Hello. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I actually, I went and rode yesterday, so. Yeah, I, I kind of heard that. I was, you know, a bit jealous seeing as it went from summer back to winter again today. Yeah, I seen some uh some white fluffy stuff kind of falling over in your area. Yeah, three four inches. Back to winter. Yeah, well, on the note of it being summer spring track season coming up, should we get the weekly tip? Let's do it. Up? All right, this week's weekly tip brought to you by Bittinger Motorsports. This is from Josh Bittinger at Bittinger Motorsports. Once again, link for Bittinger Motorsports down in the description. Go check it out. Anyway, Josh says, quit worrying about dragging your knee. Dragging knee should happen as a result of doing many other things correctly and should come as a surprise when it does happen. Far too many riders put too much emphasis on dragging knee trying to get cool pictures for the gram. It's common to see new riders hanging their entire butt off the side of the seat, creating a crossed-up body position that limits vision and ability to control the bike properly. So put your butt back on the seat, work on vision, turning your hips and shoulders, steering inputs and being smooth and predictable. Before long, you'll be carving the corners and feeling that puck scraping the correct way. That is from Josh Bittinger at Bittinger Motorsports. So, Hey, I like it. I, I like it. Yeah, I think there's definitely merit to it. I think, I mean, I found out on my first track day ever that Dragon Knee was not something I'm just going to like go out and do. And then you get those pictures of the dudes that are like literally, but I, I can't do it with my hands, but completely yeah. off the side of the bike, just laying on the ground, up, basically. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, go check Josh out. Josh Bender down at Bender Motorsports and at the Ride Smart School down in Texas. He will continue to provide us with the weekly tips. Hope you guys are enjoying those. Let us know in the comments. Anyway, what are we getting into this week, Cole. Well, before that, so I've got my, we've got some, we've got some upcoming videos coming. I got a new, I got a new motor for the BMW. Ooh, okay, okay. I want to take the opportunity to thank everybody that's helped me with getting that motor. Shout out to Braxton for hauling that thing back from CVMA back to Utah for me. Really appreciated that. Was able to go pick that up. Seeing as I'm still healing from the shoulder, so I'm not able to attend the CVMA events. Don't. Mm -hmm. Yep. Don't be giving I'm, me those I'm, looks. Nothing. I got nothing. Just listening. Yeah. We're excited to get that thing back in, back together, and see where that goes. Sweet. So new motors going back in the original 2010, and then the other 2010... Is going to go out into the market, potentially. Wow. Okay. All right. 
Good deal. Let's roll the intro and let's let's we've got another guest. We get to catch up with Anthony Lugnut Norton. Haven't talked to him for a while. Be good to get him back on here and catch up with him and yeah. see what's going on in his world. Yeah, I agree. Intro. Yesterday at one point I was in six. And then, and then we should say, and then we should just say, there he is, the one and only. You can't just say it. What? (laughs) I can't just say what? Uh, I can say. You always say one and only. You know, Henri Norton. I mean, Norton. What? I like that intro, Easton. That's a, you know, <laughs> you know when someone like you're about to go into a situation, you're like man, this is gonna be awkward, and then it's awkward when you could just go into the situation and then just whatever it is is what it is, and it's less likely to be awkward that way. Now you have to be Henri the whole day because we announced you as Henri Norton, right? I didn't even I didn't even catch that, so that's fine. I can be a dick. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Why should today be any different, right? Hey, shut up. okay all right all right harsh easy well no it's it's been it's been a while especially for me i don't know i i obviously haven't made it out to cvma i know cole kind of joined you down there for a weekend but how you been what's cooking how's how's the weather down your way uh weather is actually not bad we went through i guess a cold snap some rain so socal i got some rain and we got a lot of rain in Vegas, so a lot of the motocross tracks were closed because if it rains too much, I guess it tears up the tracks. So um, makes sense. Kind of been kind of been not riding very much the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, I missed the last CVMA round and uh, the round previous. I virtually missed as well because I had to do a motor swap track side, and then on Sunday that was on Saturday, and then on Sunday it rained, which. Uh, CVMA is probably the only organization in the country that won't race in the rain because there's no tires. The vendors don't bring rain tires because it's so seldom that it actually happens. But post, what are we on five? So that was round four. Mm-hmm. So just after round four, CVMA came out and made an announcement and said, from now on, we're racing in the rain. So all the tire vendors ordered 20, 30 sets of rain tires to bring with them just in case. Uh, and so round five, it was supposed to rain, but ended up being just super windy and ugly on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it actually ended up being fairly nice. Huh. So the boy passed and it was good riding conditions on Sunday. Uh, pretty bummed I missed it. That's the first CVMA round I've missed in over three years. So it was tough not being there, but, uh, you know, hopefully it's all for the greater good. So, yeah, yeah. Hopefully so uh, we, you know, it's funny you bring up that rain thing and the rain tires. We were actually talking about that last week, talking about the tire guy out in uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. And that it's just never been a thing, you know? And like, I remember being in Utah and running for a championship. I was a little pissed off. A little, what'd you say? Honorary. <laughs> situation. If you can uh, spell that, you get bonus points. 
all I know is uh, alligators are ornery because they got all these teeth and no toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you even know where that's from, Easton? (laughs) I don't think I'm that old. Yeah. All right. That's where I was getting at, too. Anyways, so (laughs) I was a little pissed off because they were going to run in the rain and there's no rain tires available, you know, and it's kind of the same situation. But you got to understand, like, you know, if there's let's at USBA was there 70 racers or something like that, you know, big weekend over 80, maybe if all those people need rain tires, you know, there's only really two vendors there. That means they need to bring 40 sets of rain tires in addition to all their slick tires and carry that inventory. And if it doesn't Mm -hmm. rain, it's sitting on them. So I totally get it, you know, and I actually reached out to Dale with Dunlop down here at racers edge. And I was like, Hey man, uh, I had a set of reins last year from him that I carried with me around in Utah just in case. And so I gave him back to him because he was cool with me like that. Um, he could ship them out and stuff and, and nobody has to sit on them. But I told him, I said, hey, you know, coming in in the summer, give me two sets. So, you know, we go to America or Utah or anywhere else and it decides to rain. I won't be that guy. Like, I'll be prepared. You know what really pissed me off the most about that thing? Was there was guys who had zero intention of racing at Utah. They had no skin in the game, really. They were there, and it rained, and they're like, I'm not going to go. But I have a set of reins, and I'll sell them to you for 700 bucks. It's like, dude, you're going to come up with somebody? Really? Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was pissed. That's a little ridiculous. I mean, I uh, – yeah, I don't know. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, would, I, I understand the, you know, make the money where you can, I guess. But if you're if, – anyway, I, yeah. That's no, I mean, that's a good point. Like, you know, I, I'm sorry, we can tangent the whole episode. Uh, <laughs> and we just kind of jumped right into things because we don't really have a plan from what I understand. You're right. right. But, you know, the reality is, like, I've always been the guy. Like, last round I was at CVMA, I'm busy changing a motor. And I still got guys coming up to me. Hey, you got this sprocket? Hey, you got this spring? You know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, sure. It's in that box. Go grab it. You know, how much you want for it? I don't know. What's fair? Just put money in my toolbox. I don't care. You know, it's like racers, we're going to help each other. Like, I'm definitely not going to do that whole, um, like a convenience tax, you know, like I'm not going to charge somebody extra because I have something and they, and they need it. I don't care if you're a competitor or you're not, or I I don't know you. Like I'm going to assume you're going to do the right thing until you don't, then I'll cut you off. And there's only been one person ever I've had to do that with, you know, but for the most part, everybody's cool and it it is what it is, you know? And I thought it wasn't me just. You know, for the fans, it wasn't me. It was definitely not Cole. He came close once, but you know. <laughs> Kawasaki uh, parts don't fit the Beamer, so he just gave him back anyways. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. BMW and their their German German engineering pretty specific over there. Yeah. Not very interchangeable. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so rain tires and stuff. I know, like especially Utah. The beginning of the season, you got to be a little careful up there. You know, it's May and it's still snow on the mountains and weather and stuff. And, you know, I know, I know Stacy's actually up there right now. So she's in Ogden at the little airport up there and she's trying to fly every day, but it's all crap weather and winds every other day. So, you know, whatever. Today wasn't a good day. Yeah, she was supposed to fly today and she sent me a picture and there's all snow on the cars and stuff. And I was like, yeah, well, have fun with that. Yeah, so, welcome to my world. Yeah, yeah. No I don't know. I was, I was thinking about it. You know, taking a weekend off of racing is something I don't do. You know, usually I race. So that was a little harsh, and I was not 
when was that? This weekend. So that was last weekend, right? Yep. CRMA. And then this weekend they had a CRA race at uh, Willow Springs. And I swore that place off three years ago. You know, there was only one race I ever exited that I didn't have a plan of exiting. And it was at Willow Springs. Uh, I lost the front end and probably one of the fastest corners ever in any track. It's like 150 plus mile an hour turn in at turn eight at Willow Springs. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Okay. (laughs) It is super, super fast. You know, your knees on the ground well over 140 miles an hour. And the track back then was just atrocious, you know, and my set, my setup was wrong and I pushed the front end and I, I, I was literally like, dude, I'm going to crash, you know, to, to stay out front and win this race. I, my bike is not ready for it. You know, we're, we're going to crash to try and win this race and there's no reason to crash that day. There's nothing on the line. So I pulled out of that race. I finished the weekend but after that, I was like, man, I'm done going back to that place until they repave it. Well, they've repaved it. Uh, so to my knowledge, this is, today was the first motorcycle race there in the last few years because the last person to race there was actually aware of West before they went away. Hmm. Okay. What is so, – sorry, real quick. What does CRA stand for exactly? California Road Racing Association. Okay. Is it CRRA or – they consider no. road racing one word. Road racing, and to, in this case, is one word. I okay. don't know if that's or not, but in this case, it is. I don't know. I think in most, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to try and speak to that, but I was just curious. We uh, we were asking that question at some point. Well, because there's two podcasts ago. Yeah, was it Central Road Racing Association? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So they consider it one word too, obviously. So maybe that's the official statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah take, take that, Easton. All right. I mean, I was going to give you a, a hyphen in between the two words. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's that that thing right right there. Got it. I actually got yelled at. So I don't know if everybody knows. Uh, your, your followers probably don't know. They don't care about what Lugnut does for a living. But Lugnut works now. So. Uh, I actually got yelled at the other day because in my email, it's capital capital S, capital O. And technically, it's not that way. It's a lowercase o, right? And so I, I, know, I wasn't yelled at. It was a friendly reminder that this, the O is not capital. I was like, oh, wow. I'm just imagining a brand um, big enough that in an email not, signature. <clears throat> I, I, can rela- I can relate with you, man, because – the the company I work with, you have to do it all capital. And then if you're talking about a sub product, you put the well, hey, J- J- yeah, same with JK Moto podcast. Okay, it's all capital. Okay, all capital. <laughs> yeah, and for that for that matter, the system I operate in is all caps, right? Like it doesn't do lowercase uh, for my job. So when I go to emails, my my tablet it's on capital, and so I just scream email people all the time yeah you're yelling at everybody <laughs> yeah my regional manager i was like hey man what's going on with this but it's all caps you know he's like why are you yelling at me what's his <laughs> he said i'm sorry we're working on it uh, <laughs> uh, well all right Lugnut, i had a question for you so have you been keeping up with moto gp and deliveries uh i have yes which what one is- 
just kind of in general, if there's a spe- specific one you want to dive into, but I I just wanted your take as a as a racer more than myself and and more than Cole. I think you've definitely gone a little further up the ranks. Cole, you race, I understand. I'm not not talking crap here, but uh, I think livery is really you know it's like it's like kits, right? Like I wear AGB, I wear Danese. Um, Sometimes I can't stand what they do from a factory perspective. So, you know, I have one of the mirror uh, replica helmets, the uh, Coda edition, red, white, and blue. God bless America and no one else. Just kidding. Why you born less? <laughs> joke. Uh, South Park. Sorry. Um, oh, you're good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I have that hel- helmet and it's super bright and obnoxious in a great way. But, mm-hmm. uh, Otherwise I like plain and simple and that's just kind of my personality. Like, uh, you know, I like to, I like to stand out through my riding, not because of a colorful bike or, you know, the gear, whatever the kits, you know, with MotoGP, they have a lot of money and sponsorships and things like that. So, you know, I think it's always important to make sure that those pop. And I know there's some drama regarding Honda and Repsol and losing a little bit of money because Mark left and, uh, so I did see their new livery and I love it. I love that bike. It, it looks, I like the change. It was due for a change. It's, it's a little darker, uh, you know, big Honda on the side. Repsol still there. It's a little bit smaller, still keeping the same kind of team colors, but it's, it's just enough to stay fresh and it's simplistic in design. So I really liked it. Okay. I was hoping Grassini would do something a little different this year. They're kind of same old, you know, yeah. but. After seeing the, the the winter test for Marquez on the Grassini bike, I was like, dude, let's do some black and red like that. Like right. primarily right. Just red. That's what we awesome. were all thinking. <laughs> yeah. So the, I get the Grassini thing, like it's their team colors or whatever, but a little bit bummed that there's not something cooler coming out of that garage. Uh, what was the other one? Rossi's team, what do they call them? The VR46 Academy yeah. Mooney. Yeah, Mooney. There you go. It's no oh. longer Mooney. That's why the color okay. changed. Ah, it's some gotcha. oil company now. I can't remember what that. Okay, so that's a sponsorship-driven change. Okay. Maybe. I mean, it could just be a Rossi-driven change, and the sponsorship didn't care. Could have been. I mean, obviously, if the sponsorship was primary for why they were the way they were, then they'd have to go away from that a little bit. Um, you know, and. I have mixed emotions. Again, personally, it's loud for me, but I like it. Whatever. Like I, I like, <laughs> I like the change. I like the new. You know, I guess I was most bummed that Grassini, did, Grassini didn't really do much different. Factory Ducati isn't that much different. I don't think Factory Yamaha is that much different either, right? They look pretty no. much the same. Yeah, yep. notice that thing. Know? So, my my big question for you was that I just saw um, Aprilia's today. Oh, the Team America one? No. Whatever. No, the other no, one. No, the, fa- the factory. But uh, as as a racer, what are your takes and thoughts? I'm going for it because I haven't seen it, so I'm looking it up real okay. quick. Okay, you're good. On all of the freaking arrow. No, hold on. Uh, Can, that's the arrow? Or the hold on, hold on. Hold on. Okay, okay. Let Let's put a pin in that one. Because you didn't ask me, you asked Mr. Lugnut here. Well, he's the guest. I, I understand that, but damn it, I got opinions. I got to put some opinions in here. It's not just Lugnut anymore; it's Mister. 
Mr. Yeah. Lugnut. Honorary Lugnut. Mr. Honorary Lugnut. I am surprised that you like the Honda one. Because I thought really? it was... I, I think they were totally due for a change. But I was really hoping for mostly red with the... I was hoping for a more factory fireblade like, color scheme. Like Road Superbike style? Yes. That would be rad. I would have been totally on board with that. But I liked it. They just did something different. Yeah, it, it's about... It's about time, but I didn't love it. I think there was a little too much going on myself. The Aprilia one, the only thing they did is they changed the canting on the, like the angle of the Aprilia. Yeah, and added 94 wings. Well, we're getting to the wings in a minute. But I think (laughs) it was a downgrade. I think the Aprilia was a downgrade on the livery. I think VR46 bike last year was the prettiest bike on the grid. I like how the black and yellow popped, and now it's just all some weak yellow, in my opinion. The I'll give you that. and I I know you like the, I know you like the track house bikes, mm-hmm. but I thought they're I'm all I'm American man. I like the American flag this American flag that. I'm all about it, but I thought that was a weak rendition of the American flag on those bikes. It could have been a lot fancier. It looks like. B level stuff to me, and I think you know, honestly, like I'm cool with that for the team perspective. But and I'm not trying to be like they need an American rider because the best rider gets the ride, right? But like if it was an American rider, I'd be more down for that livery. You Agreed. know, like it's just it's it's a blast for somebody who's not even you know. Agree, because if I was if I was a Spanish rider riding a Ducati and they made it completely the Italian flag. That would be offensive is the wrong word, weird. but it'd be weird. Oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was. So, on that note, and this is aside from professional racing, but I just got the Atto. Uh, you've seen them around. They've been doing a lot of the, the club racer and some of the Moto America level kits, and they do all kinds of stuff canopies, whatever. A little shout out, not sponsored by them, but they kick butt. They're really good uh, and they're great people. Um, but she did my motocross bike kit and it's badass. I can't wait to reveal it. It definitely blows Aprilia's American bike out of the water with my American bike. <laughs> All right. It came out sick. I'm well, so I'm sick. excited to see it, but I'm as long as think, you. I'm trying to think how those American flag colors are going to clash with that green. But... I got rid of the green. I just want to see you like put it on a stage and then have a bunch of like dancers and music and some like mist, you know? Yeah. And then you like go to pull the pull the curtain back and there's not a bike yet and you put the curtain back and then there's more mist and dancers and you do that for like 20 minutes before you actually reveal the bike. He's been watching way too many are you still, reveals. Are you, are you still upset about the Ducati reveal? Yeah. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I I heard about that one on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Some things so, just don't don't change, you know. I'm looking at the bike now and honestly those bikes have so much going on, I couldn't even tell you what changed, you know, that as far as aero and stuff like that. I know I've seen some ridiculous renditions of aero from KTM mm-hmm. uh in the testing, but yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a wait and see thing. They they still have time to like change stuff, you know. So I was I seen a, a post with old Jack Miller 
and his KTM and he was standing behind it. And I took a really good look at the bike because it's not very often like I take a second really look over the details of these bikes. But, and I get it, they're like prototype machines or whatever. But man, I wish they would just race real motorcycles. You know, that's why I like the super bike stuff. Um, you know, the BSB, Australian, Canadian, Moto America, I mean, name it. Like all, all the production bike stuff. It's just so much more relatable. Yeah. You know, it's cool that they're doing this motorcycle stuff with these things. And I'm not knocking on MotoGP or whatever it is, the pinnacle of the sport, but it's just so hard to relate, you know? It's like a baseball player who's never ridden a motorcycle trying to relate to what we do. It's almost that far apart and far, that far removed from what we're actually doing on production motorcycles that it's just too much for me. Yeah. So I, I enjoy that you said that. My, I guess that's kind of my question, though, is like, does all of that scare you or should it scare me per se or someone else that's getting into racing? Like, I don't know. Scare what, all the aero and all the advancements? Yeah, I mean, look at this- look at BMW. Look at Ducati hasn't really done it with their street bikes, their production bikes. But yeah. you look at the, the newest M1000 coming into Moto America even and it's freaking winged out and... Yeah, I thought they looked a little ridiculous when they released uh, the new M1000. I guess it was the 23 that mm-hmm. like Ezra and Caleb were riding last year and Cam. It looked a little ridiculous. It looked more ridiculous on the orange cap bikes just because of the colors. You know? <laughs> yeah. Creamsicle bikes. And, yeah. And, and, you know, I ended up loving those bikes, by the way. You know, it just didn't it just didn't do that bike as much justice as like a dark color. I don't know. I mean, I, my personal opinion is – I'm not for it, you know, like I get there's advantages to the arrow and, uh, you know, a lot of our tracks were just not going quite fast enough for like a stock 1000 to worry about it. Maybe the super bikes, you know, they have a little more influence there. Um, mm-hmm. but look at the, the R ones, they're not doing any of that crazy stuff, you know, and they're um, what's that? I said, and they're winning. So, and they're winning. <laughs> right. So, so I just don't see like, I think it's more of a sales pitch than it is anything else. But a lot of what they do on the factory bikes is because the race teams ask for certain things and they have to be homologated for the race team to be able to use them in World Superbike. So all the arrow that you see on these M1000s and the Kawasaki and the Ducati and whatever else, you know, it's all, it really is all because World Superbike needs it. Because if it wasn't for that, they probably wouldn't even bother, you know, unless they're like, trying to sell it to the street squid riders. So, right. They can uh, probably not buying 36,000. Dude, they are, they are. Okay. I don't, I gotta be careful. I haven't posted on Instagram or anything much recently. And reality is just like, I'm so sick of seeing the bullshit content. There's so much garbage influencer crap on social media with these, you know, crazy M1000s and guys wearing jeans and the most expensive AGB they can get their helmet on but can't ride for shit. <laughs> if I'm offending you, I'm sorry. Not really. I'm not that sorry. <laughs> like, it's cool that you're riding and enjoying it your way, you know? And, it, like, and I'm not even clout chasing myself. I'm just saying it's so irritating knowing that there's guys breaking their backs and busting their balls to get out there and race and do something with themselves. Like, at like legitimately doing amazing things on motorcycles and struggling to do it. And 
then you get guys like this who are getting paid on social media to go park at a Starbucks. <laughs> it's true. You call me honorary, and I'm just—I'm not trying to be. <laughs> oh man, we—we we yeah. found it. We found it. Yeah. And if you need to cut me off or tell me to slow slow my roll, just tell me it's cool. But, but like, you know, this is going to be a different side of lug nut tonight because <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess all, truth be told, like I'm struggling, right? Like it's uh, we we talked about the glory of racing and how fun it is, and you know, it really is, and the people is great, and the opportunities and the traveling and. At the same time, all those things are freaking taxing, you know, like being a one man show or, you know, and nothing against the guys that have a lot more support or whatever, but man, it's tough, you know, and I feel like I've reached a point with my racing uh, where it's, it's gotten really hard and it's gotten away from fun and hard's okay. Like the hard makes it fun sometimes, right. you know? Mm-hmm. But man, you just gotta catch a break once in a while, and then I get on back, you know, circle back. You get on social media, you know. It's it's beginning of the year, you know. I'm in conversation with sponsors and stuff from Moto America and all this stuff, and I just jump on social media. I'm like, dude, all this crap is ruining finances in the sport. Like, you get some jerk off with a hundred thousand followers who don't know shit about the, the products that they're posting about but they just heard it was cool because some racer has it on their bike that's what it actually happened mm-hmm. and they're getting the sponsorship or they're getting the uh what do they call it the brand ambassadorship where they're actually getting some sort of kickback for it and it just pisses me off you know like i'm just i'm kind of sick of companies giving into that from a business perspective it makes sense they're not having to give away any money you know and it's all about social media nowadays, but it really does irritate me seeing myself and a bunch of other racers out there kind of struggling to put together the outrageous costs that it, it, it is to go do this thing. And you get people who, in my opinion, haven't earned it, you know, like they played to an algorithm on social media and, you know, they're, they're getting, they're getting the support that the racers used to get really, you know? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I know that wasn't on the subject list, but I was kind of, it just kind of came out. There was no subject list. You're good. Yeah, you're good. I want to, I mean, I want to back you up on that a hundred percent, but I also am kind of, I mean, it, you know, it's an interesting topic and and it's a a topic I could dive deep into because it's kind of an entire world and generation shift of, I would argue that, you're you're 100 correct that a dude on social media that gets a bunch of followers from pictures or or lady or anyone on social media skinny just jeans in a Starbucks I, I yep. heard it yep 10 second video on on Instagram YouTube whatever it is and yeah you can make more money the reason I would say that's happening isn't necessarily because of those people doing that because those people have always existed they're just capitalizing on the rest of the world that doesn't go out and watch motorcycle racing anymore or doesn't go ride their motorcycle at a racetrack or race motorcycles or any of that. And instead of doing those things is on their phone, on their couch, scrolling through and just watching these 10 second videos and then playing video games. And I mean, that's something I think we've discussed kind of not as in depth as uh, maybe we will tonight, (laughs) but that we've discussed before. So you are correct. You know, like I, I just, when was I watching? I watched a movie. I watched the movie. I can't, I don't even know what it's called, but it's about Jackie Robinson, right? It's like his like life story or whatever. If you guys have seen it or not, I don't know. 
But I literally just watched that movie and I had the thought that like, there's such a small percentage of people in the world that get to do something truly amazing. You know, like think about Jackie Robinson as a major league baseball player and what he went through and, uh, you know, really just literally changing the world, not changing the sport, not change. you know, he did something truly miraculous. And there's such a small handful of people that get to have that sort of, you know, accolade. Whereas nowadays, if you look at it, like it's, it's the social media influencers, influencers and, and stuff and good on them, man. They, they, they grabbed the bull by the horns. They got ahead of the game and they figured it out, you know? But like you said, it's just too bad that so many people are stuck on their phones and tablets and on the couch and not out there participating in life. And it's like more and more, less and less miraculous things are going to happen with people doing less and less in the world, you know? So a combination back to our sport of the money not being there for the actual racers, the people spending the money, the people going out there, the people who are really breaking their backs for it, you know, in my opinion, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's because the audience has shifted. You know, the mm-hmm. audience is on social media. They're not doing what they want to. They're not out there looking at the race bikes. You know, they don't even know how to watch a race or, uh, you know, it, the guys who do it right, you know, like a Josh Aaron, he's got a huge social media following. He played the game right and he's a pro racer. But if it wasn't for the social media stuff, I doubt that he would have the support he does with his, you know, riding ability and, and all his accolades. And he's a badass. He's a monster. Like he should have all the support in the world, but it is pretty wild, man. Like I've had this conversation a number of times. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a trip. I know Cole, you and I have even talked about it. So I'm, you know, cause you and I talked about my games for, uh, I shouldn't say games, but my tactics for, you know, reaching out to sponsors and stuff like that. So, right. It's just a whole mess, man. Like I don't know. I've been a, I've been a little perturbed by it as of recent. If any of you couldn't tell. <laughs> well, it's a. I don't know. We're living in a we're living in a big fake world anymore, my friend. Because you know you just you just mentioned that, but I have had the opportunity to meet more than one social influencer, if you will, in in my game. And when you peek behind the curtain, it's not real. Like mm-hmm. like like I'm on Instagram and I've got my whole series of people that I follow, you know, and are fan I'm a fan of. And then, you know, sometimes you get the opportunity to meet your hero and, you know, they say you should never buy your childhood, your favorite car or motorcycle, the poster you had on the wall. You should never, you should never buy it because it'll let you down. Well, Instagram as an example has let me down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you meet a lot of the actual people and it's just forward facing people that are good at marketing themselves. But yeah. Was it on a recent podcast? You said that like, you shouldn't like, you you don't want to meet your hero or something like that. Or did I hear it somewhere else? For some reason, I feel like you said it, but maybe I heard that recently. I'm like, ah, that, you know, that kind of makes sense. You know? Um, anyways, having the right people in your circle, you know, like I was actually, what's up? The moral of that real quick, just to kind (laughs) of, Maybe wrap that, tie that a little bit, is that if you're sitting here listening to this on, or watching it on YouTube, which is a social media platform, um, anyway. Does that just hurt a little bit? (laughs) Yeah, no, because I was sitting here, you know, now that we're talking about this, I'm kind of thinking to myself, and I specifically don't make shorts. 
and I don't post reels as much because I don't want to feed into that. And that, that, that is actually yeah. something I try and do with the channel here. Um, and I would argue that one, if you told me, if you comment on this video right now and say, Hey, I'm putting this down because I got to go to the track and ride, or I'm going to go ride my bike. I will have zero issue with that. Please, please go ride your bike. Like, zero issue with that now it'd be cool if you hop over on spotify put it in your headphones and listen to it but anyway that's beyond this beyond the point um but it brings up an interesting question and a discussion i actually had with the my better half the other day i was talking about cole and i both have bikes that can be ridden on the street and we still ride on the street i think maybe if it's ever sunny where he's from um, but i was just out riding yesterday with a few buddies out on the road and i would we're just having this discussion about you get to the track, you start racing, you start riding at the track. And a lot of people kind of give up the street riding and almost talk bad about people that ride on the street. But I would argue at the end of the day, if you delete the street riding community, the sport is gone completely. I agree. And I would say like, I've never been a hater of people riding on the street. I'll be honest with you, if uh, I live in Vegas and if Vegas wasn't such a crap hole for drivers, I would still ride on the street. Mm -hmm. You know, I, okay. the roads are terrible. The drivers are scary. And, you know, when I was in San Diego, yeah, it was 20 minutes to some of the best canyon and mountain roads you'll ever ride in your life. And the weather was amazing. You ride your round, right? Like if I still live there, I'd still be riding in the street all the time. I'd have me a Triumph Street Triple 765. And I'd be out there ripping around because that bike is fun. It's upright, it's comfortable, and it still rips, you know? Mm -hmm. I, already, I got it all planned out because I still enjoy it. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's those guys that, A, we need to, like, get interested in where the roots of the sport come from. Like, hey, Mr. Influencer Man, you like your freaking wings on your Aprilia and your M1000? Well, come see why they're there. Yep. Come on down, you know? Yeah. And I see some of them at the track. That's cool. But, like... <clears throat> And I know I said street squid earlier. I apologize. You know, like I. <laughs> the Henry Lugnut's coming back with apologies now. No, I just yeah, but no, you know I'm sorry, but I'm not. But you know, it's just it's the term of endearment. I've been there, man. I used to be one of those stunt riders and wheeling down the freeway and stuff like that. And I think the reason why a lot of us go to get into track and get into racing and kind of get away from the street stuff, it's you know, it's like it's kind of an addiction that just goes overboard, right? Like you just, I can't get the same fix without doing something quite ridiculous riding on the street. Mm -hmm. You know, the on occasion ride is still thrilling on the street, but like if I, if I had to ride every day when I went to the racetrack, I wouldn't be as excited to ride. And by the time I got back from the racetrack, I'm not as excited to ride on the street. It's just, that's kind of how it goes. I think, I think that's why the, the, the track guys kind of fish away from it, you know? Same, same for the stunt community. I know some very established stunt riders. Like they'll go on a stunt ride on the street, but you don't catch them riding around on the street. But you're damn sure they started out on the street riding right. their wheelies and whatever else. You know, like you just you start getting your thrill on the extreme side of it, and it's just not. You realize it's just not smart. Yeah, I mean, you can't really go to prison for riding on a racetrack fast and you know winning a a championship in Utah. I don't. I don't think you've been to prison for that. But had you done those speeds on I-15 in Utah, you could probably go to prison. Uh, undoubtedly. Okay. <laughs> let me, Mister Henri Lugnut. Let me introduce you to a very small company out of Milwaukee called Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson. 
Harley Davidson. That's why you have to have different bikes. You have to separate. You have to have so all these bikes, they're built for the track, right? And I think that's where some of the problem comes in is we all want to, including myself, we all want to have a thousand to drive around on the street, but there's really no place for that. There really isn't no place for that. But There ain't no place for that on a lot of tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody always asks, how fast do you go on that thing? I don't know, 150. You know, the bike will do 200. But yeah. there ain't no room. Like, no. we're going, we don't need roads. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just admitted, though, like, if I had a street bike, I would definitely go with a Triumph 765 Street Triple. Like, I think that thing's rad. I A little insight, I'm actually looking at building one for Super Hooligans, for Moto America Super Hooligans, because that's a new bike for the class. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I thought about that, and I was like, shit, if I get one, like, I'm keeping the stock wiring harness so I can like hook up a light and still like shred around on the street because it's just, it's cozy. And you know, if it's nice weather day, why not? See, now you're running into that, that classic bike addiction problem where you do end up having 11 different bikes on the garage. You should see my garage right now. I don't know. You should see it this, you should see it this Thursday. Actually the day this comes out. Wednesday. All right. On Wednesday. Yeah. Well, you know what? Hey, you send me a picture. I'll send you a picture of mine. How about that? Wow, guys. <laughs> you show me. Anyway, <laughs> you're underage, Easton. What? I'm t- <laughs> it's because he looks like it doesn't mean he actually is. <laughs> Stable. Stable pictures. Yes. Yeah. I have a new one coming to the stable, by the way. That's what I was saying. Well, I, I was going to get to that. Can you can you tell yeah, us about maybe. that or no? Do we, do we get the announcement? I'll go ahead. And, just... I'll go ahead and break the news. You know, okay. I debated long and hard about different uh, options, and I made a lot of phone conversation and you know chatted with a few great resources. And at the end of the day, uh, sticking with Team Green, baby, Cowie till I die. Go uh, shake your head. <laughs> I'm just nodding over here. That's all. Yeah, you can no, both hate on my sockies, but I'm getting another one. What is what is it? spice uh, flavor is the spice of life? Is that what they said? Something. Everybody can't yeah. drive the. I don't know. Everybody can't don't, drive. Don't the same don't bike. start saying everybody can't drive the perfect bike. I mean, honestly, I'll just be honest with you. I if I had it my way, which I don't, I would either be on a brand new CVR one thousand or. <laughs> Or BMW. I thought, about, I thought, you know, more the Honda. Like I just said, you know, my, my second choice to the Kawasaki, you know, doing a pros and cons list, talking about the finances, the logistics, the support, contingency money. I mean, you go down the whole list. Uh, the two top ranking were the Honda and the Kawasaki. For me, because I already have a Kawasaki program, it makes the most sense to continue that road. I yeah, just that's have, that's have fair enough. And, you know. And Kawasaki as a manufacturer is very genuous. Uh, they're, they have a great contingency program. I know Honda announced that they're putting out really big money. Um, but I've also heard like from BMW guys, you know, it takes them forever to get paid on their contingency. But I can tell you right now, like I, I, I win a race on Sunday, I'll get paid on Friday. As long as the org turns in their results. Like, Kawasaki is pretty quick about getting that done for us. So 
you know, the PCP Motorsports, who I work with up in Sacramento, they have it all. They got Honda, Kawasaki, Suzuki, you know, Yamaha, all that. But, and I could have went with anything, but I was definitely going with those guys. And, uh, you know, Kawasaki's it. So picking up a 2024 ZX-10, and I've already got half the stuff here to build it. I've been ordering up and, you know, race harnesses and trick parts and stuff like that. So we should have a, a fully functional race bike pretty quick to be, to be able to start testing on with, it. So. With a working engine. Mine, my, actually the two ZX-10s in my garage right now, both have working engines. Okay. All right. But, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too soon bro too soon oh sorry sorry um on the on the subject of that honda though you've you've mentioned that honda several times you know we've had you on the podcast a few times talked to you in person a few times how much seat time do you have on one not i literally have uh about eight to ten laps at chocolate so were those eight to ten laps that good or the potential's there. I just, okay. I, I personally love the bike. You know, we get back to, we we're talking about all this crazy arrow and everything else, you know, like, uh, one of the reasons why I was most attracted to the Kawasaki was just, it's just a, the bike fits me personality wise, right? Like it's not over the top. It's, it's, uh, it's a good, it's a good looking bike, you know, in my opinion, newer mm. ones. It's uh, honorary sometimes. Yeah. Very. Very giant uh, corporate conglomerate. What Kawasaki? Giant corporate conglomerate. I don't know. Those are big words. I don't. There. I don't got them either. Sorry. Yeah, it fits but, you. I'm glad you got a Kawasaki, but but I mean, I could I could make some arguments about Kawasaki being the corporate commanders of the world. Yeah, yeah, industrial grade, everything else. I mean, if anybody listening in this would rather see me ride a Honda, you can reach me at lugnut underscore 521 and we can talk about your financial contribution. Because that ultimately is the difference. You know, it's if you look at the BMW or the or the CBR, to race that against the guys that are buying those bikes and doing it the right way to be on a similar package, it's $60,000. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, don't fall down because there's another two, $3,000 every time and you got to pre-buy that stuff, right? But back to the Honda specifically, I I love the way it looks. I think it's a great looking bike. It's it's comfortable. Um, they make good linear power. I remember roll racing when my street squid days on my first ZX10 in well it wasn't in 2016 but it was a 2016 against one of the newer gen Hondas and that thing was freaking fast, dude. Like it was it was wheel to wheel. So they make good power. That's without a doubt. Um, yeah. I actually rode Nick's, you know, Nick, uh, Cole, I don't know if you've met him Easton, you probably have seen him around, but he's got one of the new pirate bikes and I rode his at Chuck Walla. And if I'm being honest, it it was a mess. The suspension was a mess. It wasn't even close, uh, ergonomically, like he's seven feet taller than I am. So that was kind of (laughs) difficult for me. That's pretty tall. Yeah. He's huge. He's big, huge human. Uh, but yeah, so it was, it was, it was tough for me from those regards, but like the potential was there. The bike rode smooth. The power delivery was super smooth. The electronics were non-intrusive. You're almost, I, I like the electronics telling me a story, you know, and, and the Jixer was very numb when I rode it and the Honda was also a little numb, but I could feel it. Um, I don't know. I just think the potential is there. I, I just, it's something about it. You know, Honda's, 
Honda's iconic, right? Like motocross and off-road stuff and road racing over the years. Like they're just, they're, they're, they are who they are for a reason. And so if I could do it, I would probably go that route It changed up, but, um, time was running short and I had to make a decision what I was going to do. And so that was the decision I made, but it's not too short. Again, if anybody wants to reach out to me, right at home. <laughs> uh yeah you know just ship it to him straight hey it was time i'm i'm stoked for you man congratulations yeah Yeah. that's cool i mean it's just a tool right like we talk about what's what's in it for everybody you know you think about the bikes or whatever like i always look at riding as you're either in it for the bikes which is most of the people i was just crying about earlier uh you know or you're in it for the ride and for me it's a vessel right like i will i will do what i want with this sport with whatever i'm riding on uh but then i have to make a logical choice of what that is right so yeah but i'm pretty stoked uh you know it's not a huge difference it's not a huge change from what i'm riding on it's a different electronics package and fly-by-wire is and it looks different is really the biggest changes um but I've, I've got some some help in my corner to make sure that i get off on the right foot so good deal so bearings what what are you going to do with the stock fairings? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, I might hold on to them and turn this thing back into a street bike in 10 years or two years, not 10. Uh, or I, I don't know. I thought about it, but I'm not sure yet. So I, I wrapped all the ones up on the, the reason I laughed about that. I wrapped all the ones up for my BMW mm-hmm. and you know, they're perfectly packaged, ready to go when I need them. But I see all these people, you know, shout out Evan if he listens from Chuck Walla. But he's he's building a BMW right now and it's a twenty twenty two, but he put he put fairings he put fairings with wings like a twenty twenty three on his. Evan. Yeah. He's the guy that owns the yellow dog IT that I hooked up with. Ah, okay. So he uh but he he's building this bike and he's he putting 2023 fairings on a 2022 yeah so that so that it has the wings and the stuff like that yeah and that's cool everybody you know everybody's got their own opinions or whatever but i've been thinking about buying a 2023 bmw for the street and if i do that i'm thinking about putting my 2022 fairings on it because i don't want the wings (laughs) honestly i'd probably do the same i think the 22 is a pretty clean looking bike yeah Agreed. It was right right before everything went all nuts. It was the year that you had to buy the the M to get any wing or anything. Right. Yeah. And kind of before the whole world took off and started to add some insane whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, with- so we're we're coming into Moto America. Yep. I was just kind of curious if if you had any specific racetracks that you were super excited about, or if we're kind of just. Okay. And you're going to like it. Okay. Okay. Actually, I'm super excited about the schedule in general, but we're only five rounds again, stock 1000. I think to start off for the series, I'm most excited they're going back to Mid-Ohio. That place is legendary. You guys know I'm pretty close to Jason Pridmore, and, and uh, I talk to him a lot. You know, not so much about riding. He's a riding coach. If you guys want coaching, he's a great way to go. I don't take advantage of that because him and I are friends. I, I never really ask him much about riding. We just talk generally. I would say Mid Ohio is probably the most exciting thing on the schedule this year for Moto America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Stock with Houses is not going there. Me personally, I love the schedule. Uh, this last year, every track was new to me. I'd never been to any of them. 
right. uh, this year, all four out of five, I've at least been to once. So we started out at Barber, which is amazing. I think everybody should take some sort of chunk of time and go there and explore and do a track day or a race or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear you're coming out. Thank you. <laughs> but have you been there? I have not yet. No, that's why. Dude, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's so cool. It's on. Uh, it's my. It was on my list, and I saw the a track day lineup with the Moto America weekend, and I said, yep. "We got to make it happen." So, for the record, all you racing fans and track day goers out there, I think every round of Moto America there's a track day on the following Monday. So come out and watch some racing, even if it's just Sunday, Monday, and stick around and ride the track that the pros are riding on. You know, it's pretty cool. Uh, it, it adds an element to the track day to do that. Like if you go ride Dakota or Laguna Seca or something like that for a track day, it feels different when you show up there because it's so legendary, you know, and following mm-hmm. a professional Moto America race the day after you get to ride the same track. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, yeah so, I can, I mean, yeah. I can attest to that like a little bit yeah. at, at the Ridge. I didn't ride right after Moto America, but like having ridden there and then watching Moto America, like you see them go through a turn and you're like, I know what it looks like in their helmet right now. Not at right. the degree that they're at by any means, but like but still, uh, I've seen what they're seeing. Right. So it's yeah, really, yeah. Or like, it's awesome. You know that, so that's just, what third track on the schedule is the Ridge. And I think yeah. I'm most excited to go back to the Ridge. Okay. Back to Barbara though. I, I told Stacy, cause you guys know she's been flying and that's been her dedicated situation for a while. I made her take time off last summer to go to Barbara with me cause I'd never been, but mm-hmm. I knew legendary. So you're, I'm super stoked you're going because you're just going to love it. The museum's great. The grounds is amazing. The facilities are rad. The track is incredible. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a huge Bucky's down the street. So if you ever need anything, go there. Uh, but <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean it, it's 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 pretty rad and then so we go from brainerd no barber to brainerd which cole and i were at brainerd mm-hmm. so i'm looking forward to going back there because i thought that was actually a pretty cool track yep. i know it catches some flack but the track was cool and i didn't do the water slide so i got to go back and do the water slide <laughs> uh, on the, all the hotels that have water slides there all weird. the hotels there they must be locked up for like eight months a year with nothing to do because they're <laughs> Water slides into heated pools. And then that, the restaurant we ate there, I'm definitely going back. The one that we went to all grubby and they almost didn't let us in. And I was like, yep. bro, like I tip whoever a lot. Just let me eat. Uh, <laughs> right on the side of the lake was pretty cool. So like, I think wow. that's a lot of the fun that comes from this is getting to experience the things around the racing at all these locations too. So Brainerd second, and then we go to the Ridge Laguna, and then we have a long break to Jersey. I'm the least excited about Jersey, but I heard uh, through Josh Hayes and Jason just chatting with these guys, more so about motocross these days than in road racing stuff, but you know they're they're saying it's a pretty easy track to learn, probably going to rain. So, you know, least excited about that, but it'll still be an adventure nonetheless. But hey, at least they save the rain spot for the end of the season, right? Yeah. If you're going to yeah. dump the bike, might as well be at the end of the year. Hey, hey, hey. No, in all honesty, I'm cool with it. Like I think one of the one of the things that held me back a little bit last year was again like being on the road. Like the last thing I wanted to do is crash at Brainer and be like, hey Cole, guess what? We're gonna reframe a motorcycle in Minnesota <laughs> overnight. Yeah. Right? Like yep. it's not very appealing, but this year we have a little bit different approach. Uh, you know, I'm upgrading the rig and we got Mike Bishop going with us and another young guy, Wyatt, uh, out of Arizona. Uh, one other potential. So it's going to be a three to four rider team flying the privateer industries flag. 
and uh, doing doing the five rounds of stock 1000. Wyatt's running super sport, but he's going to do those five rounds with us. Sweet. So we can help. Yeah, the whole idea is to help it make it more, a little bit more affordable for everybody to to get out and do some racing because, as I was saying earlier, this stuff's not cheap. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, a little bit different approach. We're going to have all the spares if we break the bike. Oh, well. We're going to we're gonna go out there and see what we can really do this year. So, sweet. So, New Jersey's the only one you haven't done before, then, correct? Yeah. Correct. So, as a, I mean, obviously, you're not going out there to just put around and, and put some laps down. You're, you're competing. Mm-hmm. Um, how does one at that level prepare? Like, what's your going into there? It's a pretty big break between Laguna and there. So, I've just kind of always been curious. Like, I know for a track day, some people were like, oh, you know, I watch all these videos and I look at the map and I do all this, but it's a track day. At the end of the day, yeah. it's a track day. So, how does it, like, what does it actually look like for you? You're going down there to show up, to do it, to do as as good as you possibly can. You know, what does that preparation phase look like? Oh, so in depth, um, last year, again, all the tracks were new to me. And I was watching a bunch of videos from Road Atlanta where you and I met. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can tell you, looking back, like it was nearly not helpful at all to me. You know, I know a lot of guys do sim racing uh, because it's a little bit more interactive. Uh, I'm just not a gamer type. I'm a doer. I don't sit around my ass watching TV or video games or whatever. I'm usually busy fixing Kawasaki's or something, you know, but weird. Uh, so um, ultimately I, a little bit of video helps, you know, but like getting a track map and I like to look at a track map, no video and just, and just there, there's some good sources for them and be like, okay, like, I really want to set up the entry to this corner. This looks important. That looks important. And I'll try to pick it apart before I ever see it. And then mm-hmm. it kind of gets my wheels turning. You know, I'll watch a little bit of video, um, you know, your network, right? Like tapping into guys that I chat with and who've been there and, you know, their little insights help. But at the end of the day, I feel like there's nothing that makes you a hundred percent ready for it besides just purely your mentality. Right. And your, and your confidence in yourself. So I think, I don't think it matters how much you study the track, you know, my, my suspension guy and motor and everything else he does all kinds of stuff for me. He's multi-talented. His name's fuzzy. He always tells me a turn is a turn is a turn. And at the end of the day, like it's all it is, you know, but it's like having the confidence to go out there, know, know your machine and know your tires and, you know, don't let things get in your head. You know, asphalt looks different. You start second guessing how much grip you're going to have in that corner just because it's different looking asphalt. But at the end of the day, it's all the same, man. It doesn't change. Like that's where the, that's what separates the professionals, the top guys, those attack guys, and so, and you know, a ton of talented riders we have in the United States. What separates them from a club guy going and doing a nationals round is that they attack every single corner and every single track the exact same. It's repetition, it's duplication, right? Uh-huh. So I think the biggest advantage that and a change, because I didn't do this last year, will be going in there knowing that I know what the hell I'm doing and I can do it and I can ride with these guys and I and you know I, I do belong there. All those things add up and, and they're factual. So and that's going to be my main focus going into every round, new track or tracks I've been to before. Obviously, it's helpful having been to these tracks now, right? Like I right. know what to expect. I'm not out there 
during qualifying on a new bike for my very first session ever at a track that I've never seen before, you know, right. that was a little challenging. So, uh, you know, it's more advantageous having seen the tracks. And I, I know a lot of guys last year that I was racing against, they had the opportunity to ride the tracks ahead of time for someone who has a job, you know, I have to report to during the week. Um, that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. So that would be uh, ideal. Allegedly. Eh, I get some flexibility, but you know, every week to be gone Thursdays and Fridays is probably not going to work. Yep. Plus I got to pay for tires somehow. So I got to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so right. you, you guys, you guys, uh, one second. You guys had a recent podcast with uh, the dude from like Texas moved down from the East coast or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about mantras. This is your writing tips thing. Right. Like I, I was, yep. I, I was listening. I'm a fan of the podcast. Going back even further in our conversation, what I've loved about you guys is day one is you guys are genuine. You know, like your thoughts, opinions are genuine, which is what's the the social media platforms need for motorcycling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been a fan and I always listen. And that's one thing I heard was uh, you talking to him. I can't remember his name about mantras. And it really got me thinking like, you know, what is my mantra? And I think that the preparation is is the mantra right like that that's kind of i I thought about all this when you guys had brought that up on a previous podcast so you know great question awesome let's get to here i appreciate that yeah that's good so the the ridge is june 28th through the 30th sure Sure. This lug nut. He's got to get a bike and then get the bike built. One, one foot I'm, in front. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just looking tracks. to see if I can come support at the ridge. The answer is yes. Of course you can. <laughs> that might be my last free weekend for the rest of my life. That's internal info. So, <laughs> but tell me about uh, Apex Assassins is doing uh, Laguna Seca Day on a Monday. A track yeah, day? It's an Aprilia. Uh, we we partnered with Aprilia a few years ago, and so they do like uh, be a racer. You know, they have their Aprilia owners appreciation. You don't have to just ride an Aprilia to go, but that's what the days are structured to be. And Apex Assassins, mm-hmm. like we tend to do for a lot of different organizations, is actually the ones that are facilitating the day. So mm-hmm. we do tech, we do staff riding and stuff like that. So. Again, I can't remember the exact date, um, but yeah, Monday at Laguna Seca. Well, I just, uh, the reason I brought that up is I seen that on there and I went, wow, there's a good excuse for me to go ride Laguna Seca, right? Yeah. But then it turns out that uh, Legion, what's their racing series up there now called? As Legion Superbike? Yes. Legion Superbike released their schedule and they're doing the perimeter in Utah that same weekend. Okay. So correction, you can still ride this. I do know the apex assassins Monday at Laguna Seca because now it's a later weekend. So that, that weekend, the, the apex Monday that's on the calendar is wrong date. Now that moved. So it was Moto America following Monday apex and now we'll be following up the uh, ARMA, which I don't know what that stands for, but it's another racing organization. So they're going to do their weekend. Uh, I think they're partnering with CRA or somebody like that. AMRA with an O? No, A-H-R-M-A oh. or something like that. Okay. Sorry. 
Yeah, uh, it's a, it's actually they have, they have a different structure. It's I would say more typically an older crowd, and they've got vintage bikes and stuff like that that they're doing. Um, they do have some modern classes, but it's more it's more geared towards vintage stuff, in my opinion. I think primarily. Okay. But so yeah, I'll get you the date and we'll repost the calendar with Apex Assassins for the changes, but that possibility is still open to you without having to sacrifice doing the leagues and superbike day at Utah Perimeter. Yeah. So well, I not yeah, well, good. When I seen that I thought, man, I gotta I gotta do that if they're gonna be in Utah, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean a chance to race the perimeter mm-hmm. for the first time in like race it actually for the first time yeah. in how long? I think USBA did it, if not two, maybe three years ago. I personally missed the round, so I've never raced on perimeter. I've actually only rode it once. The last time uh, we were all there for the circus was the mm-hmm. only time I've ever ridden it, perimeter. Perimeter's cool. I I enjoy the perimeter at UMC. It's fun. It's a long track. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think I said this before, but... It takes my two favorite sections from east and west, and it takes them out of the equation. <laughs> so for me, I'm like, eh, give me east or give me west, you know. But yeah. uh, it, it was still fun, you know. Yeah. If you if you haven't done it and you have the opportunity to do a track day or something like that on perimeter or race it, like you really should. It's definitely worth doing, you know. Yep, I would. I would agree with that. Yes, sir. So have you guys been keeping up with all the news for Moto America since we're talking about that? all the Ray Hall stuff and who's riding what bikes. And, you know, it's been, it's been a, a silly season of its own really. Yeah. That's what I've, I've tried to keep up. Um, but it's been rumors from Cole up here. And then the, the little bit that I see on my own, they're not and, rumors. Uh, dang it. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've been keeping up. I was really scared. I think we had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like Moto America has been up, 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 you know, the last few years. And I really felt like at the beginning of that year, there was some serious scares out there that were at least in the top class. Yeah. I think that, I, I mean, a, the big was thing was scared there for a minute, like Titler's kind of being all weird. And then, uh, Chibi, Chibi. Chibi for his. Yeah. Four yeah. That was kind of a bummer. So it's cool to see him coming back and doing the 200 because he's an endurance racer. So let's start at the 200. I mean, I didn't catch last week's episode. I just said I was a huge fan. So I don't know if you guys talked about any of this last week, but the 200 is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Like Yart, Nico Canapa, or however you say his name, like that dude's racing. Uh, Hickey from the Isle of Man's racing. Uh, you got um, Chavi on an attack bike. He's racing it. You got a couple guys coming down out of Canada. Mm-hmm. You know the obvious, you know Moto America and fast club racer guys that are going to be there that have a chance. Like there's the top twenty is going to be insane this year for the Daytona two hundred. I am super excited about that, and that's only a couple weeks away. Yeah, I was gonna. I don't. Fast. I don't even know the dates on that. I got to look that up real quick. It is the ninth and tenth. Or the eighth and ninth, actually. Okay, of uh, March. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that is close. And if it rains, it moves to Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And I think uh, so. Obviously, you guys, if you're listening to this and you want to watch it right now, is the time. Uh, sign up for Moto America Live Plus, and they have 100% coverage on that. 
but I'm pretty sure the 200 will be aired on some other avenues too. Maybe you'll catch it on uh, was it NBC Sports or Peacock or uh, you know Fox or something like that. So I, I don't know what the partnerships are this year for that yet, but you can definitely see everything, including practice sessions, live timing, qualifying for the 200, and everything else going on this year on Moto America Live Plus. So if you're listening to this, spend the 60 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever, it's well worth it. Uh, to keep up on all this Moto America action this season. Yeah, I agree. And I will, I will put in there that I'm going to assume anyway that Moto America will put it on YouTube at least the day after also. Yeah, usually so. that happens. And I know they stream some races live on YouTube too. So like Stock 1000 last year was streamed live on YouTube and Facebook. So you can catch some of the action that way without any subscriptions or anything like that. So. Yeah, I I always like to say that for those of you that are listening that aren't watching Moto America yet, one, what are you doing? And two, if you're not quite ready to bite the bullet and spend the money, I get it. Um, you can catch it the day after. And if you're not following all of that on Instagram, Facebook, you're not going to get any spoilers because no one at work is going to know what you're talking about. So um, <laughs> get on YouTube, go check it out, and then you'll probably end up maybe wanting to actually come support. And you just heard the list of of everywhere they're going, I would argue that if you're within four or five hours, Moto America events are freaking awesome to go to. They are cheap for what they are. If you want to get into Moto GP, you'll get like half of the availability of the things you can do for three times the price. Moto GP is cool and all, but you go to Moto America paying, I, I don't know the prices off the top of my head, so I'm not going to say them, but not as much as you might think. And the pit it's probably like 30 or 40 bucks. Yeah, I want to say 60 for okay. a race day for a person, but that's all day, all the races, and the pits are open. You can go down and bug Lugnut. Maybe don't actually bug him, but I did last year. Um, no, really, and, really though. Like, the teams and the riders, we love that. Like, yeah. come down, like, when we were at Brainerd, remember those, the, it was all the kids walking by and stuff, yeah. you know, little girl right there, was, she loved the bike because it was purple. Was like, hey, get on it, you know, like, <laughs> It makes my day. It's really cool to be able to be so close to the fans, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and fellow riders and people like who are involved with the sport. Um, and again, for that 60 bucks, you're not just paying to watch racing or, or see what the teams are up to and wrenching on the bikes or whatever, but like they have all kinds of fan experience stuff going on on Sundays. They do, uh, they do two up rides you can sign up for. Uh, they put you in a leather suit and you ride around the track with Chris Ulrich, yeah. which I would never do because I'm scared, but you know, you can do it. Um, but they have the fan walk so you can walk down the hot pit and get autographs signed and get some handouts. Uh, definitely come look for the privateer industries Sunday fan walks because we're going to be giving away a bunch of cool stuff this year out there. So, Heck yeah, um, yeah. And um, <laughs> if you're one of them street squids we were talking about, motorcycle parking's free. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And you can go do a non a burnout on a Harley Davidson because they show up with a Harley Davidson and an electronic fog machine, and you can. I was so mad about that last year. Anyway, it was the um, funniest thing seeing your face doing that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> the lady was like, "Hey, you want to do a burnout?" I'm like, "Yeah," and then it wasn't a burnout, and I was like, "I gotta at least act like I'm into it," because I guarantee most people are just telling her no. So yeah. yeah. Anyway. You know, speaking of the up. bagger class, I know Anthony doesn't want to talk about the bagger class probably, but no, my gosh, look at yeah. the lineup there. How big is that lineup? It's getting and it's getting bigger. There's still news that hasn't been announced yet, so keep your ears open. Actually, I'm privy to a 
couple of things that we haven't heard yet. So it's going to be, there's going to be some last minute shockers and it's some big news. So, uh, but yeah, the baggers is huge. And then they're going to Coda with MotoGP. Mm-hmm. What a, what a, what an, what a smart move. Oh yeah. Huge. What a both smart sides. move by Moto America and Coda because, you know, I personally, I like, there's parts of the, when Moto America merges with MotoGP for the weekend back in the past, there's parts of that that I really love because, uh, well, even as a fan going to that race, I, I it's cool to see them like back to back to see the top tier Moto America racers, what they look like on track after you just got done watching the MotoGP guys. That That's cool, but they do get ripped off. I mean, they don't get to bring all the classes. They, they yeah. have to start late. They have to – everything's dictated to them. Yeah. And the but baggers the bag- would be the same way. Like their their schedule is not ideal. But, but, but it but, doesn't matter. I no, mean, yeah. the whole world – the whole world is either – it doesn't matter if you think baggers are cool or if you absolutely loathe them, you still are interested in what are those – if you're f- from Europe, you're going to be going – Let's finally get a look at what these crazy Americans are doing with these bikes. Dude, the, the Europeans is the main reason why it happened, in my opinion. Like, those guys are all about this bagger racing. Like, like if you – or, sorry, what do they call it? King of the baggers. So, they're all yeah. about this. Um, I think I, I think that interest is what made MotoGP like, like yeah, let's do this. And it's different, right? It's not like another – you know, production motorcycle type thing. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, the baggers is closer to what MotoGP is if you think about it. Like, like they're, right. they're they're not even close to a production motorcycle anymore. No, <laughs> no trying. To, I'll, I'll say trying to explain to. I got a friend at work that uh, he rides an Indian, and I was like, "What? Are you watching motorcycle racing this year?" He's like, "Probably not." And I was like, "What? Have you heard about King of the Baggers?" He's like. No, it's like they're racing like imagine road glides, Harley Davidson road glides out there on the track, dragging knee around corners. I was like, they're not right. They're on sport bike suspension with sport bike style tires and the bags are raised way up, but they have to be at least 600 pounds. Like, yeah, they they have to be heavy. They have to be hard to ride. And it's still Mm -hmm. a big barrel and V twin going down the freaking straight. Just like it's obnoxious. It's. This is gonna sound really bad, but it's almost like the NASCAR of American motorcycle racing, if that makes sense. Yeah, they're going around road courses still, and I'm not trying to like bring them down to the NASCAR's level. And sorry for any NASCAR fans out there, but that's what I think of that sport. Anyway, um, but I would this argue has been like a really negative episode. <laughs> you're taking two uh, very American motorcycles and just doing something very American and saying, yeah, we can take big, heavy V twin high torque, low power bikes and and go nuts, man. So it's definitely got to draw. I think it's going to be a big thing, uh, having them together with MotoGP and, you know, currently we're the only ones in the entire world doing this, you know? And I think that after this event, that's probably going to change. So there's the question though, is, is someone like BMW or, honda or kawasaki like are we gonna start seeing bagged kawasaki vulcans joining nope you don't think so all right not here in the states well, no yeah. there might be renditions of this type of thing going on in other countries before long that they allow for that 
But the whole idea was that this is just like you said, it's the NASCAR of the United States, right? Like NASCAR is a fairly unique version of motorsports to mm-hmm. the United States. I am a stock car fan, but, but that's different. Uh, so <laughs> that's where my roots are, but um, more news to come. So anyways, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, if it goes to other countries, they might do it, but here's the States. Like the idea is supposed to be American V twin bikes. Like all the, all the clubs call it, uh, you know, American iron or whatever. Like it's all, it's about America. So right, right. I just don't foresee these other manufacturers being involved with that. Not because we don't want them to actually more so because Harley and Indians probably don't want them to. I mean, they right. fund so much. I don't know. I mean, if you threw yeah. a gold wing out there and then it just lost every week, the gold wing. Yeah. That stock gold wing might smoke them all. I'm just the, uh, <laughs> only cause it's got reverse. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I've heard I heard, I've heard rumors of BSB looking at, into it. Yeah, those guys love it over there, you know. And so I, I'd be curious to see what happens after they get put on display internationally at Coda with MotoGP. That'll be cool. I, I can. Uh, I'm I'm gonna call it now. Cole is really just hoping that Australia picks it up and Jack Miller goes and starts riding a Harley. He would down in. I think Jack Miller, this is what I love about that guy, is he'll ride anything, anywhere, anytime, and just ride the wheels off of it. So, Probably, yeah. I agree yeah. with that. I agree. There was there was some statements, just because you, you brought the Jack up, there was some statements today telling him from the, uh, who's the team principal there at KTM? Can't remember his name. Uh, you're the like big word name guy person. I had a joke, but I'm not going to tell it. So he... Uh, he came out and said Jack Miller needs to not worry about where his ride is next year, if he can stay there or whatever. But he, he basically alluded to Jack needs to decide whether he wants to race anymore or not. So mm-hmm. there must be some behind the scenes. He might just go ride dirt bikes and live in Australia. I think he recently was injured. Yeah, he was. Riding dirt bikes. Um, but, you know, he had family changes, married, had a kid, stuff like that. And I don't think that that is going to end his career. But I definitely think that, you know, anything that takes away from your focus on yeah. and off and between rounds and everywhere else, uh, it's going to show you when you're riding. And I think that's what we saw with Jack towards the end of last year. Yeah. Well, and especially like at that level, Oh yeah. you know, at a, at a world level one. And I mean, you want to talk about traveling from California to Alabama, back to Washington and Australia, Europe, America, South America, Europe, 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 Asia, Europe, yeah. Europe, Asia, yeah. Australia again. Like, that's a lot of time away from family. I mean, we've we've talked about how you know, even for an American racer, you, you I think you could hear Cambodia talk about it. Like, it's hard. Yeah. You're you're not home the most yeah. most of the year. So, yeah, yeah, and not just that, but like again, like the the distractions. And I'm not going to say your family is a distraction or your new baby child is a distraction you know that's life and those are beautiful things but you know honestly it's taken away from the mind game you know and mm-hmm. even me like I, I i made a move last year and started uh i made a direction change in my career or whatever and it took away for a couple months until i put my finger on it you know i realized what was going on i refocused like doesn't matter what level you're at or what you're doing. It's not even motorcycle riding. It could be anything, but the more you cloud up your mind with all these other things, the less focus you're going to have on the goals. And so, 
specifically with things like motorcycle racing though like you're doing shit at a high rate of speed and your processing speed goes down the more you plug up your mind with other stuff you know very true my non-scientific backed theory what are you are you you done asking questions about that for a minute easton or what yeah yeah we got we got world superbike coming up next week man oh that's what you want to get okay all right already Super excited about that, man. That'll be in Australia. The unveiling of Ray, Top Rack, everybody on new bikes. We'll see how this stuff shuffles out. Shout out to Garrett Gerloff. I'm pulling for him. I hope he has another breakout year. Dude, I'm I'm hoping he takes a step up. Like at the end of last year, he looked so strong. So mm-hmm. I'm really hoping to see that continue. Uh and Phillip Island is just, it races so well. Like, it's always battles there. And, right. you know, like some of the, the last few years, some of my favorite MotoGP races were at Phillip Island. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing this class of World Superbike go there and do battle coming up quick. So who do you, who are you taking for the win? So he wants to was, take Top Rack, but I want to take Top Rack. If it was a different track, I'd maybe consider it. But historically, I don't think that's his strongest track. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batista is injured, or during testing, he was pretty injured. I don't know if he's gotten over that, but he was—he didn't look very good in any of the tests. So I don't know. It's pretty open. Maybe that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot from downtown and say Ray on the Yamaha. Yeah. All yeah. right. I'll put 17 cents on that. 17 cents? That's my guess. Hey, yeah. when you win, there's 34 more cents towards the uh, <laughs> CBR 1000 Well, it's funny. I was going to I was going to throw out a bet there, but the bet the bet wouldn't be fair because if you just take Ray and I take the field. What's the bet? So I'm a gambler. I know you're a gambler. I'm ready. Let's get this going. Yikes, so, here we go. So if you take Ray, it's unfair for me to just have the rest of the field is what I was saying. I, I mean, there's odds. Depends on the stakes. I don't know. There's odds to every bit. So, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know what how do to put? set the over under on this one. Well, you, you open your mouth. So let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this. Well, I think the easiest bet would be, I will bet you Top Rack finishes ahead of Ray. Okay. So Ray doesn't even have to win. We're going to go Top Rack versus Ray is the bet. Yep. Okay. What what are you putting down? What are the stakes? Whatever you want. I don't know if they have to be public or not. Yeah, I don't want the IRS getting involved. All right, we'll discuss this off camera after the show. <laughs> all right, but just so all the viewers, this is not a gambling show. Lugna took Ray. And yeah, Cole and I'm taking top, top rack. Maybe First round, opening episode. round. Yeah, World Superbike. Yep. Maybe on the next episode, they'll enlighten you as to what I won. <laughs> uh, we'll keep everyone updated, at least on the outcome. Yeah, maybe not the wagers. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> and the the other thing I want to talk to you about, yeah, is all this freaking dirt, man. E- Easton won't let me talk about dirt bikes. Every time I'm like, "Hey, man, have you, you been watching?" Stuff. I'm I, like, I've "Have never you been watching once... Supercross?" 
Never once said you can't talk about it. Have just said I have been having trouble keeping up. So it's, it's like baseball to me, honestly. But all the sports are this way. Like I, it's so hard for me living a busy life to keep up with a MotoGP season now that there's over twenty rounds. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and then Moto America and World Superbike. Right, then- it's a lot. It's a lot, but during the winter time, usually there's not much going on. So at least with Supercross, it's it goes through May basically. And so you can stay in the loop with Supercross every week and it's available on Peacock or you can see whatever happened on social medias and stuff like that. But, and if you haven't been to a Supercross event, like that's where all the money's at in racing in the United States, to be honest. Um, it, It is a show. It is definitely a show. But now that to the people who don't know, I just started riding some motocross and I've, I've ridden dirt bikes years and years and years ago, like for a short stint, um, not much experience on it. It's fun. It's a hoot, but riding at the track and actual motocross, man, it's, it's a workout and it's, I've developed a new level of appreciation for what those guys do. You know, it's, it's so precise. I mean, it's not indifferent to what the top guys are doing in our world of road racing, but it is something else, man. And, uh, it's been quite an adventurous season so far for anybody following. You know, we've got eight or nine different winners between the two classes, and there's some drama. There's always a little bit of drama, so that's good. Some personality and differences, and they got some old versus young going on this year, so that's pretty cool. Um, it's definitely been a neat season. So I think uh, the end of last year's motocross year was Jet Lawrence just cleaning up on people in the outdoor season. Yep. Went 22 for 22 in motos, 11 straight wins uh, overalls. I think a lot of people expected him to come to start the season off this year and just clean house. Well, they won the first round, Anaheim won, which kind of like the Super Bowl for Supercross. But it's it's it hasn't been him being so dominant the rest of the season. Like there's four or five different winners in the 450 class now. So definitely so, a fun season to be a part of and be watching. Absolutely. So – I've ne- I've never asked you this, but maybe me and you could be on the same page here. Who who do you who do you pull for? That's tough, man. Uh, I I'm a Jason Anderson fan. You, see that, Easton? <laughs> We're both on the okay. I get it. You, you both, it to- yeah, you both oh, got so dirt you bikes. Like You're both. Fan? I've watched Anderson his whole career. Yeah. Um, both yeah. motocross guys. I'm gonna I've just always been now. a Jason Anderson fan. Yes, to it. Have fun with your dirt talk. The only oh, difference yeah, between yeah. me and you is I was disappointed when he went to Kawasaki from the Husky. <laughs> Honestly, kind of me too, though. Like uh, I, I was a fan of his on the Husky. So, um, but you know, like I, I grew up watching Supercross. Was even as much as I wasn't involved, it was always something I was interested in. Uh, you know, guys like. You know, Villapoto and Reed and, you know, uh, Ricky, you know, like all, all these dudes are such legends and it's crazy this year. Like I'm, I'm involved with super cross fantasy with uh, a few different leagues and it's so difficult. I, I to You're doing well. Also, I heard. Dude, that's new. I'm never going to fantasy, but <laughs> it's so hard. Says the, says the man who says he's a gambling man. I am. I, I didn't say I was good at gambling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's so difficult to pick because there's 15 guys that can win the damn race. You know, like you've got Eli Tomac, who's a freaking legend and champion. You got Anderson, who's a legend and champion. A guy I freaking love, Roxon. He can win any week. 
who doesn't love Aaron Plessinger. He's always strong. Jet Lawrence is a phenomenal young talent who's going to go on to be a legend of the sport, no doubt. Um, you know, and the list keeps going on and on and on. I mean, Cooper Webb, you got to throw him in there. I'm not a fan. I'm I'm not necessarily either, but you got to throw him in He's there. He's in there. He's in there. Sexton's always fast, right? Yeah, there's a few guys that I'm not really that fond of, you know. Uh, Cooper Webb, I have nothing against him. I'm just not a huge fan. So, so I'm I get on the fence a little bit with him. I just want to point out that that dude, there was a period of his career where it looked like he should just quit because he couldn't do whoops. Yeah, he figured and, it out. He, I mean, at that level, you kind of have to do some whoops. Yeah, but the guy, the thing that I have learned to definitely respect about him is if you watch him, it don't matter what the race is and it don't matter where he started. He always seems to start at one pace and just consistently get faster and faster as the race goes on. Oh, that guy's yeah. relentless. Oh, yeah. I think that's what I love. I do love that about him is he's just – he's a pit bull. You know, he don't stop ever. That's that's admirable. You know, it's just, it's a personality thing for me. I'm like, I don't know about yeah. this guy. <laughs> um I'm but, feeling a little bad for him. He's getting a lot of fat jokes in the off season this year. <laughs> he's a thick dude, you know, but like, and, and honestly mad respect because I, I can tell you go to the motocross track, like talking to, so Josh Hayes, you guys know the name He's a freaking legend. Let me tell you that guy's just as good on a motocross bike. I think as he is on a road race bike. I was watching him ride at Paula and I was like, man, he's, he's really good on this thing. And he just does lap after lap, after lap, after lap, hitting the marks. Like he's really good, you know, but I always say that cause I was there riding with him and he was like, Hey man, like get your laps in, you know, we're talking about, cause I, I do it for the fitness. I do it for the training more so than trying to pursue a motocross career. And for being a thick dude, you know, Webb, like mad respect because me, I'm like, dude, seven laps is seven, seven laps to start to fall apart. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> these guys are doing a ton of laps. Well, they and, think uh, they, I think they get to oil their bones because they're like, you know, you're riding around like this all the time. It's crazy. <laughs> and you know, like it's, it's weird because like you have to, there, there. I, I don't know, dude. I, I would argue that there might be more technique and, and important technique. Like you can get away with not so good of technique on the road race bike, whereas on the motocross bike to go any sort of fast, that's not going to happen. Like you, you have to be very on point with timing and your techniques to make the bike do what it needs to do as fast as it's going. Um, mm-hmm. So to be that mentally focused and physically, you know, capable is again, it's admirable, man. Like it's definitely. Like newfound respect for those dudes, but now you remember a name Tommy Clowers? He was more of a freestyle motocross guy. I don't. I, don't I know he's sitting with her, but uh, I met him one time at a restaurant, and I was like, "Whoa!" I'm like, he's, he's a little dude. I hope he doesn't listen to your show. He's a little round guy, you know. And I was like, "Man, that's <laughs> <what I> expected." <laughs> I hope he does, and if he does, comment. Oh, dude, don't hate me. He was a cool dude, super rad guy, and phenomenal on a motorcycle, of course. But I just, it wasn't what I expected, you know? So, I mean, I think I've, I've said this for a long time that the two most fit athletes in the world, my personal opinion, motocross racers and UFC fighters. Like, I don't think, I don't care if people are like, oh, what about soccer? Or you run around for two, three hours, you, you run. That's great. Good job, you know? But, 
like to have that sort of endurance and physical and mental, like every bit of it. And I've dabbled in both of those sports as well as other sports. There's nothing that contests. But have you played soccer for three hours, Lugnut? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah kick on the, the PlayStation. So, yeah. so we, yeah. while we're on that subject, uh, podcast or two ago, we, we had the pleasure of talking to Aaron Stevenson mm-hmm. uh, that owns Corner Spin out in yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, he was talking about, you know, training because I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like you maybe need a little bit of a change in your life. You're going to go grab a dirt bike. You're going to go have some fun. Uh, but maybe the side effects going to be, you're going to bring some of that to the track, the road course. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think everything on a motocross bike is polar opposite. I found out. Well, Right. But yeah, there's definitely some applicable techniques and, you know, the fun factor was reason number one. I'm not going to lie. Right. Like I wanted to do something else fun with motorcycles. And, uh, I think, you know, I was starting to feel a little bit of burnout on the road racing thing. And so this was a way for me to stay in the seat and stay active and not, not kind of hit the brakes on it, but Mm -hmm. just rejuvenate my spirits. And uh, then fitness, right? That was obviously a, a good byproduct of the fun factor. Um, but then techniques, like he was talking, I remember listening to that and he was talking about pushing guys to like push the front and then snap the bike up. And if you watch motocross, like that's what you're, you're doing. I mean, you don't have front grip, like you, right. you're braking and when you're straight up and down, kind of like on the road race bike, you have a, a ton of grip, but to turn the motocross bike, you're going to push the front quite a bit. And as soon as you kind of get direction, you snap the thing up and you go. So that same technique that he was talking about on your guys' show is applicable with motocross. You know, and Josh, one of the things he told me was rear brake applications because road racers are terrible about using the rear brake. You might as well remove it for most of us. We don't even know this, right? So being able to utilize the rear brake without locking it up, which is nearly impossible in dirt, but it gives you some sensitivity, some feel for that. Uh, that's a, that's a skill that I'm very excited to master or get better with at least so that I can apply that to the road race bike, because there's definitely an application for rear brake use uh, in road racing, especially with the way I set up a bike. I feel like it's going to help me a lot, uh, you know, just tense here and there. So that's something I'm looking forward to utilizing. Good. Yeah. Wasn't was an interesting conversation with Aaron, but he, one of the things he said in there also was jumps and all that are cool. Getting in the air is cool. But if you're trying to stay healthy for road racing, you need to keep it on the ground on a flat track type situation in the dirt. Yeah. Was interesting. It was, that's, it was all, talk. that's all on that. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping is fun. <laughs> but uh honestly like the only reason I, I told stace this i was like the only reason why i want to do all these jumps is because like it just helps me get to the next corner faster you know so like i wish and there's actually something here that i'll start doing but i just wish it wasn't so deep sand but it's just like a turn track right so there's no jumps you're on a motocross bike there's some ruts some berms and some flat corners and you just go out there and you rip corner after corner after corner so I'm literally looking into like going to some 
BLM area and just digging out a turn track with the dirt bike so that I could right. just go do that hours on end because it's definitely applicable. And you know, it's, it's a workout, even if you're not jumping and riding whoop sections and stuff like that, like holding on to the motocross bike is definitely a workout. Yeah. You know, we can cheat the road race bike a little bit. So, uh, I think he's right. You know, motocross, you hear a lot of, a lot of injuries. I think last year, the, the whole reason why I ended up on the Altus bike was because Brown and Brandon Posh uh, hurt himself flying through there. He had some jump and he over jumped it and he didn't even crash. He flatlined it and broke his back. So you definitely have to be a little bit careful with the motocross stuff. If your ambitions are otherwise road racing, for instance, uh, but man, it sure is freaking fun. And, and the community's cool. And, you know, it, it was definitely, definitely something to get used to flying through the air. You know, that's <laughs> not transferring over to road racing, hopefully. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, like, you know, there's, there's a couple tracks out there in the world. Um, a couple where you can, uh, and, and, and then there's the Irish people that are, Irish road is racers. Actually, is it Caldwell, Caldwell's Park or is it uh, Brands Hatch, whatever, the one that you see and they fly up over the top of the hill? Yeah, yeah. I want to say, I don't know. I, I'm not going to. One yeah. of our European guys, let us know. Yeah, which one is it? Because it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the ones in Britain. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that. it's Caldwell yeah, Park, but you know, that's about the only couple of places you're going to take motocross jumping into account. Yeah. But it's funny, like one of the things Josh Hayes says is, uh, and you know, I'm sure other do, but I just I've been talking to him a little bit recently, is that if if you're good on a motorcycle, you're good on a motorcycle, right? Like it doesn't matter, you know. And I'm not saying I'm good on a motocross bike. I have a lot to learn. But I had a few people tell me, "Wow, like I'm surprised that you're doing what you're doing with it already." And it's like, eh, a lot of it is is how you view things right and see them like i feel like some people can never do what we do on a motorcycle no matter how how bad that they want to they just can't because their brain just don't work that way and it would be the same in a car for them right like they're not going to go out there and go super fast in a car because their brain just doesn't operate to that level you know whatever screws are loose allow us to do it they don't have those screws they're they're put together right here we are half broken trying to break ourselves more they're not missing their lug nuts or anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of missing lug nuts, um, it is getting a little late, and I, I'm also one of those people with a job, so yes. I might have to wrap it up. I know you're on the other side of the country, so you're like, "What are you talking about? It's dinner time now." But yeah, um, I'm kind of tired. I've been working on bikes all day, so yeah. Yeah, but it has been great to have you back. Definitely um, missed you guys. Yeah, looking forward to this this next coming year. As we talked about, I'll be I'll be down in Bama, right there to watch you. Come hang out for a bit and encourage anyone else listening to find your local Moto America event. Please go to it. Please support. Watch if you're Monday. a barber, maybe we'll throw a Waffle House party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Waffle House, that one. Yeah, that's good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, um, any, you know, you're running privateer industries this year. Is there any way that the viewers, listeners, whatever can support you? What's the easiest way to do that? How can they do that? Uh, you know, I've, this has been a chat for a while, but it's about to get really, really real. Uh, the privateer industries things, uh, I'm making a huge investment to help out fellow racers and, and fans alike. 
So the best thing you can do is just follow me for now on Lugna underscore 521 and privateer.industries on Instagram. Uh, you're going to see a lot of this stuff start rolling out here soon. Some merch. I don't want to say merch. It's not merch. It's like privateer industries in addition to the race team is a lifestyle brand. And there's some cool stuff coming out the pipeline. It's in the works currently. So uh, give it a follow. I, I promise I'm going to put some effort into the social media pages so you can see where we're at. You know, follow Moto America series. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you guys at the track sometime. Come say hi. Don't be shy. Hell yeah. Sweet. Cole, you got any parting words? No. You, you oh. pissed me off. I'm Henry too now. <laughs> what did I? What? Let's let's just call it. I'll let you sleep on that. We got to hang this up and figure out what this bet's all about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, on that note, thanks for listening. We'll see y'all see next y'all. week. <laughs>